Thanks so much for tuning in to the Four Stories Podcast, where we will talk about the four most important stories of your life, your relationships, and your career. And here's your host, Chris Watson. Wow. Fire. Straight fire. This conversation with Josh Deshay uh, was enlightening. It was a conversation that really provoked a lot of thoughts. Um, It it changed my thinking on a few things. I'm not going to steal the thunder, but what I'm going to tell you is if you'll take the time to really dive into it. And I know, you know, normally the episodes are about 25 to 30 minutes and this one's an hour, but it is well worth it. Um, and I know that I want to have Josh Deshay back on in the future part two, just because of the, the conversation I think is one that will make you think, reflect, judge yourself a little bit, challenge your thinking on a few topics that maybe you already had in your mind, you know, sewed up, so to speak. So without further ado, please enjoy this interview with Joshua Deshay. Bro, thanks so much for hopping on today, man. Uh, really excited to have you on the Four Story Strategy podcast. May turn video if it doesn't upload to uh, Anchor. I'm super vulnerable on here, so whatever. We'll see how it goes. Whatever. But um, I'll give you a chance, man. I always like to let the guests introduce themselves. I know you got your your hands in a lot of things. You do a lot of things, which is really exciting. You're impacting a lot of people. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so Josh Deshay, born and raised in and around Austin, Texas. Really, I'm only one of six people who are actually from Austin who are still around here. <laughs> everyone else is from everywhere else. You know that. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been in the business world for a while. I was an insurance broker for over a decade, did real well in that. Um, I've been in business consulting now for the last several years and business coaching, sales coaching, sales training. Obviously, I'm doing sales training and coaching with TSR, The Rebellion. Um, I, am a, I am the director of channel partnerships for an organization called First Star HR. Um, they provide HR outsourcing, payroll, risk management, all the solutions that you possibly need for small to mid-sized businesses. So yeah, got my hands in a lot of stuff. Luckily, I'm super blessed that the businesses are, are, are super um, understanding of each other. And so I can pretty much go out and preach my message and work with just about anybody. So I'm, I'm a blessed man. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, I would say what I, so, so let, let's give the audience a little bit of, of, of context. So actually what's crazy is, is like Josh and I's relationship really started almost like two weeks ago during quarantine. We may have seen each other on, on LinkedIn or something like that, but really it was from the rebellion and, and we got on one call to plan for a rebel hideaway. And it was like, in my eyes, it was like instant vibing. I call it vibing. Yeah. We were just vibing. It was like, I think you call it riffing, but we were, there was a connection there of like, we saw the world through a similar lens, but because we had different perspectives of that lens, it actually melded together. Is that a fair way of saying it? I don't know from your perspective. Yeah, man. I, we, so for those who didn't, didn't get to join us, the hideaway was about storytelling. Right. Of course, as all of you know, the people that have listened to this podcast and follow it, Chris is the master storyteller, <laughs> right? So the idea was we're going to get on this hideaway uh, for you know, hundreds of people and we're going to go through storytelling. How do you storytell and that sort of thing? And, and there's one thing that I've always considered myself was a storyteller. But, man, I'm telling you guys who are watching or listening, the minute Chris starts talking about storytelling, it, you almost get into this, like, zone where I'm going, holy crap, I've got to write stuff down. But I, my hand is shaking, and I'm starting to sweat because dude <laughs> is on fire. And so we're on this, we're on this call, we're on this call, and, and Chris is just going at it and, and Chris by the way was probably that guy in sports who smacked the crap out of people in practice it didn't matter right I'm gonna smack you now just like I smack you in a game and we were going off and I'm just sitting here in awe and what 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 I really loved about it man was I started thinking about it one I can't be Chris which is a good thing for people to realize right when they're talking about collaborating with people and getting to know them 
but my way of doing things and Chris's way of doing things really works well together because Chris, man, he will breathe fire with passion in that stuff. Mine tends to be a little more understated, but we both had the same message, which was how important storytelling is not only in sales, which we were talking about, but in life. And then how we get to being able to actually tell a story that other people will listen to. Right, right. And to me, so yeah, man, it was like, it was almost as, I mean, God was working there where it was like, here we are. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, for me, it was like, I was excited about the hideaway and and it was freaking awesome, man. I was just telling somebody, I I actually had a call with somebody from the hideaway and they're like, man, you dropped the mic at the end and da, 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 da. And and I, I said, can I be honest? And they said, yeah. I said, I don't even remember what I said. Like, I I really don't. It was like, (laughs) it's like when, um, you know, when a major league baseball player is saying that like everything just moves slower. I feel like that happens to me sometimes when I'm like talking, right. You probably experienced that as well, but I think stories is a great segue into, you know, I'm kind of trying to highlight quarantine stories and and you and I kind of talked about it, um, you know, a little bit before the show and even last week that people are utilizing the quarantine one way or another. So just talk to me a little bit about like, okay, I got my hands on all these things. I got the kids at home. I got life going on. Um, what has been kind of the thing you've been telling yourself to, I don't know, to grow, to stay on playing, to, to not give up? I think first and foremost, what I've told myself from a professional standpoint is this can't be an excuse for failure. I'm not going to allow a change in circumstances that everyone is facing, by the way, it's not just me. I'm not going to allow this really bad pandemic, right? It's, it's been bad, especially in different parts of the world and United States and the, in the Northeast. But I'm not going to allow that to be an excuse for me not to get my stuff done, for me not to, to help other people, for me not to bring value, for me not to help my current clients, and for me not to go out and preach our gospel message to everyone else. And that gospel message of bringing value, right? Helping people in their sales walk, in their business walk. I'm not going to allow that to be an excuse. And I think that's something that all of us have to make a decision on. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I'll I'll say this. Most there's people complaining about being around their kids and being around everybody for a while. And there are the occasional, you know, zoom bombs by my kids, (laughs) but it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I I have to say, you know, working from home is tough. I mean, I'm not at my desk. (laughs) I'm not, uh, I don't, I can't, I don't have the ability to put up a green screen screen back here. So you'll see it. It's kind of wonky, Mm -hmm. but being able to stop what I'm doing, take a 15 minute break, go outside, play with the kids to have my son sit in my lap. As I type an email, him asking me what I'm doing, I'm getting to bond with them and see things during the day that typically speaking, I can't. And would that eventually get old? I mean, who knows? I can't speak for everybody. Maybe eventually you get to a point where you need that desk. But to me, it's really, I think it's brought us closer together as a family. Um, And that's a neat thing. I see what my wife goes through every day. Mm -hmm. She sees, the other day she was like, I can't believe how much you talk during the day. (laughs) You're you're on call after call after call. I said, yeah, I mean, she goes, I understand. She, you know, when, when I think she understands why sometimes it's difficult for me to do anything else, right, during the workday. So I think we've, you know, become closer in that regard as well. So to me, that's really what this pandemic has done. And I think the thing I'm going to, the thing I'm going to key in on that, and it's a key in for everyone, but for us as well, is that for me, it comes down to intentionality. Like there's an intentionality, like most wives aren't intentionally recognizing that most, most men working aren't intentionally saying you can sit on my lap. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a level, when we talk about storytelling, there's a level of intentionality and when we hit intentionality, now it's authenticity, right? And so that's why I think is going on in, in quarantine for a lot of people is like, am I being intentional about this time? Or to your point, you're saying no excuses for failure. That's an intentionality. So I think that's the, that's the common thread, the common theme that I think people need to grab hold of is like, well, how intentional am I really being with my time? Or am I sleeping until 10 a.m.? Or am I, you know, uh, telling my wife I got to work till 7? Or, hey, I can't eat today. You know, whatever it is. And I, I, I mean, I believe... The thing I've, I've struggled with, if I can be vulnerable, is that work 
has invaded my home and I used to have a start stop and now I don't. And I'm recognizing even for myself of like, how can I get into a more, uh, a a state of deep work? Uh, There's, there's a book out there. Is it Cal Newport? I think it's Cal Newport, but maybe not. The author, have you ever heard the book deep work? Yes. Okay. I think it's Cal Newport, but I could be making up that name. Anyways, he literally, he doesn't have an email. He doesn't have a cell phone. The only way you can get a hold of guys by sending a, a letter to him, if you can find his, his, his inbox. And what he did was he went through a testing of deep work. And that's what I've tried to infuse, man. I've tried to infuse this level of deep work of like, I'm going to block everything out and I'm going to put in four hours of work in two hours. I put music on and kind of create that environment. Now, I think one of the pieces to creating the, the right environment is, is stories. What story am I telling myself, which we just talked about? Tell me about the story that I guess your sphere's telling you, you know, it sounds like your wife's telling you a story of like, man, like, uh, apparently I'm the loudest human being known to man because my wife was showing me a video of my son learning how to read and I could hear myself on it. And I'm like, aren't I in the office during this time? She's like, yeah, now you get to hear everything that we, that, that we go through. So tell me about like your sphere, the people closest to you, what are they saying to you? And have you had to like unfollow anybody maybe or anything like that? Right? Yeah. I, so Yes, by the way, I have. And I think this goes to intentionality, right? I think what you just said, excuse me, one of the the people who are really struggling right now, by the way, so to to go around about to answer this question, are those who haven't been led by intentionality. They've been led by the circumstance they're currently in, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you're on on an average day, if you're told to go into work and you're told to get this work done by five, then you go and do that. When you're not told, you don't do it. Those who come in and say, I'm going to get this done today. I'm going to do this. It's a different mindset, right? It's being intentional about it instead of being pulled to do something. And so the the story, I'll say this, I think you can also also tell from social media who is intentional, who's not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You know, we, we live some of that day on LinkedIn. Um, are, are you posting things that are appropriate for what it, your ultimate mission and goal are? Or are you allowing this extra time on your hands to dive into um, issues that don't make sense in regard to getting you to where you need to be? Um, so in that regard, I have unfollowed um, Facebook, Instagram, or mm-hmm. I don't do Instagram, I mean, Facebook, LinkedIn, and that, those kind of things. Um, you know, the idea that that intentionality is also telling me and giving me either credence for keeping them or reason for eliminating people from my life. Um, I think that when we're going through struggles and difficult times, and especially shared struggles, <clears throat> I believe that the, the good that it does is it allows us to see who should be in our lives and who shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's all about, again, intentionality. We don't have time. I, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Um, I, I have a... a an organization, First Star HR, who trusts me and and needs me to go out and do my job. I have coaching clients and training clients that need me to help with them. I don't have time in my life and margin in my life to deal with people who are unintentional in a way that will get me away from those things that matter. I would much rather at that point spend time. There's a, there's a great line in... Um, in a song by Elton John, um, I guess that's why they call it the blues. And it says, um, time on my hands could be time spent with you. Mm-hmm. So you know what, this time that I'm spending with this unintentional person who's veering me off of my path, I could be spending that with my wife and kids. I could be yeah. spending that with coaching clients. Yeah. And so that's a good thing that's happened from this. And that's really the story that for me, one of the biggest things and, and what's going to have the biggest impact is the fact that I'm decluttering. And um, it's been by necessity, even though it's something that God and friends and mentors have been telling me for a while, Josh, you're a hoarder. You hoard friends, you hoard relationships, you <laughs> hoard all this stuff. You've got to declutter. And so this has been a, an, an awesome opportunity to be able to do that. Yeah. So, man, I, I, uh, I just made a decision right now that normally we'd go through this whole theme. We'd go down the four stories. I'm not doing that. It's my show. I can do what the crap I want. <laughs> So I just want to talk about some high level topics I think that like have been on my mind that I think we'll, yeah. we'll kind of riff and talk about. So one of those that I think is something I keep hearing is identity. And what I want to talk about is, is like, how do you think 
So like, let's talk about a few different people. Let's talk about the furloughed person that still has a job, but their yeah. job is their identity. And I'm not saying that's wrong or right. I'm just saying, I think it's dangerous, right? Because like, I'd rather have my identity in like what I can do, what my strengths are. And I mean, quite frankly, because I'm a believer in Christ, my identity is in God. But when it comes to a level of impacting people, I want my identity to be in, <clears throat> this, is, this is how I know I can impact people's lives. So let's just go down a road of kind of just chatting about what would you say to someone that their identity's in their job and now that job's either been ripped away, like quite literally, I don't have a job anymore. Um, that job has been blurred now with their home. So they're like struggling because here's what's happening in my opinion, dude. A lot of workers are having identity crises. Like they literally don't know what to post. They literally, they don't know how to do their job properly. Um, I had one person and, and this goes back to environment a little bit is like, I was talking to her and she basically said, I don't know what happened when I'm in the office. I can boom, 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 boom. But now that I'm at home, like I, I don't, I'm not, I, I can do like 30% of my job. So Talk to me a little bit about identity, man. I know those things will probably hit you as well when you're thinking about it. Well, and, and so I, I can replace, and again, people who know me will understand why I continue going back here, and I think you do too. Identity and faith are the same things. What do I place my identity in? What do I place my faith in? It's all the same thing. What is, what is, the, what is the, the cement um, foundation that, that my work is um, sitting on and based on? And you know, I, I, I was told one time by a very smart individual who was our former pastor, and uh, he married us, my wife and I, and he had said, you know, as much as y'all love each other right now, you, your faith is not in her. Mm -hmm. your faith is not in her. You can't have expectations of her. Get rid of the expectations right now. You can't, you can't expect her to do anything. You hope this happens. It's hope. There's a difference between hope and faith, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to make sure that the expectations you have are understandable based upon the person that you're talking to. And the faith that you place is in, has to be in something that's immovable. And when we start talking about that, either it's the same thing with identity, right? Our identity can't be with something or are on something that has a chance to let us down. It, let's be real. You get a job. These people who have been furloughed or laid off, they had faith and most of them had a faith in an employer to pay them, you know, for job well done. Well, right now people are doing, even if people are doing a great job, they're not keeping their jobs. Mm -hmm. So therefore their faith or their, their identity with that position was misplaced. And I think that if nothing else, people need to take this and, and allow it to give them clarity in what it is they are using as their foundation for what it is they do. If your foundation is the eight to five job that you have with the company that you've always wanted to work for, it's your dream company. Dream companies go under. I remember the, I remember the, the interviews that people had with employees from Enron. Yeah. People loved working for Enron. Yep. Yep. Look, you're talking about an oil company, right? An energy company that's supposed to be the bad guy. People who worked for Enron loved Enron. They treated their employees well. They gave them amazing benefits. They, they got to come and go as they pleased. It was, it was the cool millennial company before it was cool to be millennial. Mm -hmm. And yet all of the faith placed there in one fell swoop of a bad economy, they were gone, completely gone. And so whether you think that it's your marriage that you're putting your identity in and your faith, it's your position at work, it's your job, it's your title, it's your client base, um, it's the, the financial means that you have in your bank account, all of those things, and we've seen it, they're not stable. They're just not. And so, you know, look, someone asks me, and, and I get asked it all the time, what is the stable thing? If, you're, if you believe in God, by the way, like we do, we know where that, that faith and that, and that identity should be in. If you're not a believer, then what you have to do is you have to put that faith in the only person or thing in your life that you actually have control over, which is yourself. Right. Right. That's the only thing you have control over. Right. Um, and so find what your identity is. And if your identity is not in one of those two things, as a, as a, as a person of faith, my identity can only be in, in Christ. Right. If you don't believe, that's cool. You better, you better have that identity in you because you're the only one that can get up and decide, you know what? 
yeah, work is different. I have to work from home. I have to do all this stuff. The only one that can make that happen is you. So you better make sure that your identity and your faith are placed in the right places. And again, during a pandemic, when everybody is freaking out and, and scared and rightfully so, um, identity evaporates really quickly. So yeah, or yeah, it evaporates or it gets shoved in your face. So glaring that it's like, oh, you thought, you know, like I, I, I feel like what the pandemic has done is it's done really, really two major things is, is kind of what I, what I am experiencing myself is one, it shows the cracks in organizations. It shows the cracks in leadership. Those cracks that used to be able to almost be hidden, maybe because of micromanaging or because you came to the office every day or because I could like watch you every day or like, you know what I mean? Like you could, it's like, um, it's like if you have a handle on the back of your kid's bike, you can like guide and direct them. Right. But when you give them training wheels, you don't guide and direct. So you see all the flaws in the way your kid rides a bike. And if you take the training wheels off, now they scrape their knee. And so I feel like that's what I'm seeing in business. The second thing that I'm seeing is that I'm, I'm almost seeing that like this idea of like, People are being forced to do things that they either, oh, I plan to do that. I, okay, I'll do that at some point. And then they're being forced to do it. Or number two, I never wanted to do that, but I have to. Like, like give me a break, man. Like my 55-year-old mom is on a Zoom call, right? Like people are being married virtually. Uh, people are going and working out that have never worked out in their life. People are buying bikes. People are hiking trails. Like, it's almost like what's so sad is like the, one of the lessons that we should think about is like um, that book that's called uh, the obstacle is the way, right. That like, like growth happens through pain. And so unfortunately the pandemic is almost like create an environment where it's, it's forced people to deal with themselves. And I think it's yeah. a good segue to almost talk about like when we, when we hypothesize or we think about what's that new normal going to be, what's, What's re-entry going to be, right? Like re-entry is crazy when it comes to, you know, we're in Texas, so Cape Canaveral and NASA, and you think about re-entry, like what's re-entry going to be for, we, we can start at salespeople and then we can kind of hypothesize just about like leaders and other people, but what do you think re-entry is going to look like and what's it going to do for people? Well, so before that, real quick, you mentioned yeah. it. The one thing that this has also done, right, is it's shine a spotlight on people who are full of crap. Uh -huh. Yep. I mean, again, people are making jokes about it quite a bit on social media, but, you know, with, with the post that says, we're all these leaders who tell us how to do things, and all of a sudden this is gone, and they're not. So, to your point also, <clears throat> there are a lot of CEOs out there right now questioning the hire that they made three or four years ago. Yep. You know, the person who was amazing in the interview, the person who can sit up when everything is really good and make these really rousing speeches. Mm -hmm. But now you have people who are having to make speeches over zoom you're having people who are having to deal with kids at home so now you actually see who they really are mm -hmm. right and so you have that i think you, you ask about new norm and what i think is going to happen and what i think is going to happen isn't going to sound like i normally sound which is fairly optimistic i'm not very optimistic with how this is going to run its course once people get back to work i think there are a lot of people who are and you can go google it and you can read people talking about creating a new norm, um, whatever that means. And what there's, what a lot of people are saying is, Hey, we're going to have a lot more stay at home workers. You're going to have organizations understand the, the need to be a little more flexible with, with work life balance. You're going to see, uh, -uh. you're also seeing people who are, are saying, Hey, this is going to, this is going to teach people um, what we just talked about having intentionality, understanding how to focus in difficult situations. I'm telling you, the minute people are allowed to go back to work, and I hope they are soon, 100%, I'm praying about it all the time. I want people to be working. I want them to be at the office. But the minute that happens, I'm not even going to say 80 20 rule because I don't think it's true. <laughs> yeah, I think 95% yeah. of people are going to go right back to what they were doing before. Well, because we haven't had a heart change. We, have, we haven't had an actual change. <clears throat> We've had a, hey, you're forced into this environment, and I almost feel like we haven't had enough time for a new habit to be created. Or maybe it's, um, we haven't seen enough results from that new way of doing things for a leader to say, you know what, I'm going to care about people more than I do KPIs, or I'm going to care about people more than I do revenue. Like, I don't know what your thoughts are, but. But I think, I think even the, even past just the leaders, the individual worker bees, like us, the worker bees, I think 
the fact that right now we have a lot of people who are in our positions making excuses for why things aren't happening. Now, okay, everything's back. I can start working again. And think about it again. If you've ever created like a path or a trail, getting on the path or trail is great at first, but the minute there's a rut, it's almost as though the wheel has to be in the rut. And you try to, you get pushed out of the rut like we have been. We've been pushed out of our ruts. And the idea and hope is that you create a new path there where the old rut is, is gone. But that's not what happens. Typically speaking, if you're on a bike on a dirt road and there's a rut and you get out of the rut, something happens and you always veer back toward the rut. And I don't know if it's psychological. It's the fact that we're so used to being in that part of the path. Mm-hmm. But it happens. And that's what's going to happen for most people. Now, there will be people that come out of this completely changed. There will be organizations who are completely changed. I see people posting about uh, on social media about empathy and about value and about relationships and communication and, and taking care of people. And, and, you know, these sales trainers, sorry, but these sales trainers who have always taught boiler room antics of I'm going to plow through you and overcome every objection you have just to get a sale right now. They're all softening, but most of those people are going to go back because it's the rut that they're used to being in. So, you know, on a, on a positive note, it's going to show us who the new leaders are though, because there will be people who, who resist going back into that rut. Right. And those leaders, man, we'll be able to say this person was forged under fire. Mm -hmm. This person was forged under a pandemic where everything they did had to change and they had to pivot and maneuver with it. And they came out as huge, strong, compassionate, vulnerable, value-based leaders. That's, I'm excited to see that. But in terms of a new norm and what I'm going to see, I'm super skeptical that we're going to see a total shift in dynamics on how business is done. I'm just, I don't know. What about you? No, 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 no. I, as I hear you talking about it, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, I agree. And then I think next level. And I'm like, honestly, my, my thought is, holy crap, what's going to happen is guys like you and me that have, had, that have had either affirmation or some change, the decluttering, uh, you know, or a, a newfound whatever. Yeah. Like we're, we're actually going to have probably the toughest time. And I'll tell you why, because I really believe what's going to happen is like, okay, so let me paint a picture. So we've got, We've got, you know, John and we've got me. And John and me, do we've been rocking and rolling. We've been rocking yeah. and rolling in our conversations because he now is like, you're right, people over everything. Let's be empathetic. Well, he might go back to his old rut, but I'm not going to. Right. So, so you see, so like we're, we're going to even see after this of like who was faking, who, who like was, was utilizing the pandemic for self-gain or who's saying, no, this is my new life. This is who I am. This is my new impact. This is yeah. what I want for life, you know? And, and, and I think that's, I guess, my next level thought is like, holy, holy crud, man. Like, there's going to be, like, almost, honestly, dude, it's almost like, like, I, I've got, I've got to, I've got to, um, I got to be even a louder voice than what I am. I got to be even more consistent than what I am. There's a sense of urgency now just from us talking right here of like, dude, you've got to go plant more seeds because if, if, if there's going to be so many, that are going to go back to their old rut. You've got to be a voice saying, don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. Now they may still go back, but you know, like uh, my, my, my LinkedIn post today, uh, I had a talk with a guy yesterday and like, I know this happens to you. Like when you're training somebody, you're talking through something with somebody and like you end it and you're like, wow, I think I was talking to myself a little bit there. Right. And so by the way, every single time. (laughs) So I had this, (laughs) I had this thought, man. And, and, and probably the same for you is like, what is the point of me being committed to growing if I don't have a place that I'm pouring that out? Yeah. Right. Like, because, you know, I remember a time like, like, and, and no one's going to see this before I post it out. So I won't ruin anything, but like, so there was a time about a year and a half ago, I had three podcasts. I had one podcast called Watson unplugged and it was unplugged conversations with educators unplug out of the system. Let's have a real conversation. What, what's going on with our kids? Why are we no kid left behind? It was really cool. I really liked it. Then we had one called living 4d, uh, the four D's are you dream up a goal, you have a desire to accomplish it, you decide I'm going to take action and d- devour it. And it was a Love system. It. We were trying to replace the smart goal theme. And it was me 
and a kid that I actually coached in soccer in high school. So we were, I think we're 10 years apart. It was kind of a really cool, like, you know, setting of like, Hey, I'm yeah. 10 years apart. What's your perspective? What's mine? So anyways, and then I had another one called the financial roundtable Cause I believe we are not helping our kids when it comes to finances. We're not talking about compound and interest. We're not talking about the stock market. We're not teaching our kids how to become wealthy. And let's take it one step further. We're not teaching our kids how to have generational wealth so they can impact more people in their life. Anyways, Amen. Complete, complete side note. So dude, because I did that, I was reading 30 books a year. When those went away, it was like seven books a year. And I didn't put the equation together until I was talking to this guy yesterday and he was just like, yeah, you know, I have a tough time like, you know, doing self-development and like reading books that I want. And I go, well, who are you sharing what you're growing with? And he's like, well, nobody. And it clicked for me too. I was like, dude, I will, I realized like people are not committed to growth unless they have an outpouring. So let's shift that to quarantine. If quarantine time for someone hasn't been, I want to impact more people's life stories. I want to impact yeah. their legacies. Then why would you stay committed to the new rut or the new path or the new road? You, you know what I'm saying? So I really think there almost has to be a psychological change of like saying, I care about people so much. In this time of reset and refocus, I understood I care about people so much. And it may be one person or five people or four people. And I care about those individuals so much. I'm going to stay committed to this new path, right? Yeah. Whether and, and, you know, like maybe for someone that's on the health kick, they're like, hey, I'm riding a bike and I'm walking. For them, I would almost say, well, are you doing it only for yourself? Or are you doing it so you're around when your kid's 30? Are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it for your grandkids? Are you doing it for your wife? You know, like, you know, my story is my dad died at 44. So a lot of the decisions I make, I think about, man, dad didn't get to live out the rest of his, of his life, you know, and I don't want that for me. So anyways, I know it's a long-winded answer to you saying, what do you think? But I, I just really feel like there's an urgency for people like us to plant more seeds about, please, please stay on the new path because for the new path for you is what's really going to make more ripple effects for the rest of the world. Well, and, and let me, let me tag onto it real quick because I, I completely agree. And I think the important thing here is making changes situationally mm -hmm. or intentionally, right? Um, we've all seen, let's, let's take health. Someone who has really bad health, who has a heart attack, yeah. who has to start eating better. Well, what happens most of the time, that individual, they get healthy, they start doing better, they get further away from the situation, and they revert right back to what happened before. Um, because the, the change was based situationally, not intentionally. You know, when, when the person makes an intentional decision to not only make a, a health change, but to stick with it, right, to get people in their lives to hold them responsible, those are the people who keep it off and who do the, the good job. Same thing with business, same thing with anything. If right now we have a lot of people who are having changes happen to them and it's situational, mm -hmm. right? So they never made a decision in their mind to say, okay, putting this thing on tight, I'm making this change because of bop, 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 bop. They're like, oh crap, I've got to make a change. So again, people don't make life altering changes that last based upon situational Dude, you, you need you need to share that dude you need to share that on linkedin i haven't seen anything out like that but you need to share that because i think that is a that like i'm just thinking to myself like what have i done situational it may not be intentional right and what have i done intentional yeah. it may not be situational. i mean like that is that's that's next level next level stuff now okay so for the last few minutes we got about like eight minutes here um which normally i let you know most of my podcast gets get, get about 25 i'm giving you 45 so um yeah so I want to talk about just like some high level in-depth strategy. I want to, yeah. and, and like, let's go salespeople first. Cause I know we can have a high level strategy conversation there. And then from there, we can talk about like, you know, leaders, like business leaders, and then maybe organizations, some things we talk about culturally. Yeah. But like for salespeople, as they are, you know, kind of filtering back into maybe this new, new norm as people are calling it a re-entry, let's talk about like maybe some strategy they could be doing now that is going to prepare for that. Cause I feel like as doors are getting ready to open in Texas and doors are going to open in other, other States. Now that person that maybe it was easier to get a hold of, they now have a whole new bundle of stuff that they're going to have to deal with. Or now maybe there's an urgency for them because they're bringing everybody back to say, I need to work on my HR services. So I'm reaching out to Josh like never before. So talk about just some strategies in that realm in your, in your eyes. Um, 
you know, it's, it's interesting because I think there are a lot of technical uh, strategies that people can be taking. Uh, I don't want to go there because I think they're all the same. I mean, technical yeah, sure. strategies are, right? I mean, how do you prepare for something else to take you out of your game? How do you pivot into a new way of selling? How do you reach to people, reach out to people during a pandemic or right after a pandemic and not look like a sleazebag, yeah, right? Yeah. How do you do those things? But I'm going to talk more about a deeper meaning of what people need to be doing and preparing for. We talk a lot. We talk a lot about it in, in at First Star HR, but in the sales rebellion about bringing value. It, it's, it's an overriding theme that made me feel comfortable being there. And it, the idea, right, is no matter what the situation, no matter where you are, no matter where the, the other person is, you can always bring value consistently. I can bring value whether the person is paying me or not. I can bring value whether I'm online, I'm on a Zoom, I'm on a phone call, I'm face-to-face, -face, I'm in a pandemic, I'm out of pandemic. Well, how do you bring value? In order to bring value, you've got to care about the person that you're talking to. So, for instance, with you and your podcast, the reason people like it is they can tell that you care. Mm -hmm. So, in the end, business isn't that difficult. Business is about developing relationships that eventually will help push your business to profitability, right? Almost every business, and that's what it is. I don't care if you're selling software sales. I don't care if you're selling a service. I don't care if you sell dinosaur toys. It's about creating a relationship that will add value that the person eventually says, this is something I need in my life, and they take it. So right now should be the time when people are figuring out, how do I create a relationship in order to create value long-term? Because the value long-term, by the way, after this pandemic, that's what people are going to remember. This will be a line in the sand for most people. For most people who buy services, for most people who buy products, for most people who become someone's client, there is a before and an after, just like 9-11. Remember 9-11, <laughs> think about that. There was a definite before and an after. Remember going to, to the airport before and after, totally different world. We are going to have now, people in their minds are going to have before pandemic, after pandemic. And so you want to be on the side that says, I was the same person before or during as I am right now after. Mm -hmm. And your clients and prospects and people who buy from you will be looking at you that way. So you better be creating those relationships today, right now, yesterday. Because those relationships will be the ones you can look back to and have personal stories that you can share together. Remember when we were talking about this, remember the Zoom call we have just to talk, how's your kid? How's your wife doing? You know, your mom got sick from COVID. Is she okay? The ones who did not do this during this time, that's my, my fear is that the salespeople, the business people, the dads, the wives, the kids, the ones that don't take advantage of making intentional change right now are gonna have very, very limited options after this is over. And so that's tactic that maybe that is tactical, but to me in an overriding theme right now in terms of strategy, whether, whether value is a strategy or not, you better be out there creating relationships like you never have. You have some time probably right now, not all, probably your company is a little more relaxed and loose with you hitting your goal in March and April. Well, if that's the case, Instead of pounding out phone calls, trying to get someone to say yes, make some phone calls, create some relationships that you can talk with and nurture and grow after this is over. If you're not doing that, you're going to fail. Yeah. And, and to, to, to take it. So like, I'm going to play Josh on this because yeah. I would push back and say, yes, I a hundred percent agree, but how many people out there can't get themselves to intentionally want to create any relationships with people. And so I think like, yes, I, yes, amen. I agree. But there's going to be some that listen to this to be like, yeah, I don't know how to do that. I've never, I've never had to create, I've never had to be vulnerable and actually create a relationship with one, a person in business, but maybe just in general, another human being. Right. Yeah. So like, so like, let's, let's take it back one step and let's just say, sure. okay, you got a salesperson and they're like, how do I even do that? How do I even call you know, business owner X and like show him I care about him and I know how to be a human. Speak, speak to that a little bit. So 
I'm going to steal something from you. Okay. You talk about breaking the script. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we believe in the sales rebellion is giving people an experience when we do anything. That's not just with our clients either, right? It's right. people that we're talking to the, for the first time. If you sell, let's say you sell insurance right now. You sell commercial insurance and you're calling the controller right now. How many phone calls is that controller getting that says this? Hey, I'm John Doe. I'm with ABC Insurance. You know, we do commercial insurance and I know that things are, are tough right now. How are you doing? Oh, great. Well, you know, I would love to talk to you. I know that your renewal is probably coming up. I'd love to talk to you about how we can help save you some money, especially with as difficult as things have been over the last several months. That's the exact same phone call yeah. that that controller or CFO is getting 10 times a day. Yep. And so the minute you say, I'm John Doe with ABC Insurance, in his mind now, he knows where you're going and he knows where he is going to go, which is click off, hang up. I'm not interested. We're not switching. We're not, we're not spending money. Whatever that is, he has a script in his mind for what he believes is an answer to yours. And so the best thing that a salesperson can be doing right now is deciding one, I am going to do something different than everyone else right now. If everyone else, maybe you'll like the story, I was talking to a, real, a couple of realtors a couple of months ago, and it was before all this. And the, the reason we were talking is I got this just listed card. And you know how realtors send out just listed cards when they list a house. And I told him, you know what the person that gets this thinks? The person that gets this thinks, one, it's trash. Stop sending it to me. Two, the only reason you're really sending this to me is so I can come to your open house and then I can see how great a job you do and then maybe I'll list you, my house with you. So automatically, it's a script that's built and they throw it away. So I said, why don't you do this next time? Send a letter that says, hey, I just listed this house. Don't come. I don't want you to come by. It's an amazing house at 141 Mockingbird Lane, uh, but it, I don't want you to come. I don't want you to see the amazing things we've done inside. I don't want you to look at how we've made this house so special. It's going to sell real quickly. Don't do it. Don't come by. The address is this. Our open house is this day, but don't do it. And they did it and they got so many people come and they got listings out the wazoo and it was value for free, by the way. But the idea was I'm going to step up and do something completely different than everyone else is expecting. So the guy calling, what happens if he says, hey, I, this is Josh, I'm with ABC Commercial Insurance. I know that I'm the 160th person to call you today. So you know what? I just wanted to ask you, what can I do for you? We're in the same community. I see that we're both in the Georgetown Chamber of Commerce. I don't want to sell you anything. What happened if you did that? May, now, maybe the guy says, you know what? I appreciate that. Yeah, I've gotten so many of these damn phone calls. I'm tired of it. But in his mind, you just completely changed the trajectory of that phone call because he didn't expect you to say that. What happens if you call him and say, hey, you know, this is Josh with, with uh, ABC Commercial Insurance. I just saw, I saw that post you just had on LinkedIn. That inspired me. Can you tell me? Just tell me more about that. I want to know more about it. I want to know more about you. Um, I, talk to me. What happens if you did that? Now, maybe he would say, look, I don't have time to talk. But you know what you did? You changed the opinion this person will have of you the next time you call. Yeah. And yeah. so, to me, that's the best thing that people can do right now. Yeah, we, we fail to remember that when we break the script, it's not a guarantee that they're going to say, yes, let's set an appointment. What it is, it plants a seed. <clears throat> It creates a first impression that's different from everyone else. And I, and I know you, you, it's happened to you and it's happened to me where I thought, man, I, I thought that was a good one. I thought we were connected. I thought we were vibing. It didn't work. But I'll tell you, there are so many times they come back and they always a little like, man, you just cared a lot more about us than everyone else. Or, wow, we've never had anyone ever ask us X. Or you said you would call our parents and help them. You know, like I sell educational technology. So sometimes none of my competitors talk about the parents. Yeah, I'm, I am. I am only talking about parents right now because your parent is your partner. Yeah. And so like, I've had a lot of people say like, no one else is talking to us about parents. What can you do for our parents? And I'm like, well, I'll create four tutorial videos just for them because I don't want your parents to feel left out. 
And so anyways, it's just little things like that, that I think I was talking to, uh, you know, to the Australian guys that I've mentioned before on here, I was talking to Steve and he said, love he said those guys. Chris, yeah, dude, love them. He said, Chris, sometimes the impact, sometimes the win is just planting a seed. And dude, when I heard that, I was like, shame on me. I've read the Bible how many times? And I forgot about that, right? And where we're planting seeds and how those, sometimes <laughs> those will grow and, and, and they'll reap rewards I don't even know about. So yeah, 100%. Um, you know what, what's interesting about that is that people will push back because what they'll say is, well, that sounds great, but you know what? I have to make a sale now. I have to get something today. We have to do this. And what people don't realize, one, by the way, immediately when you say, I have to get a sale now, your mindset is not of providing value. 100%. It's of selling something. Yep. But what they also don't realize is that when you create value, people will buy now if they need it. But the idea that you have to explain in an elevator pitch what ABC commercial insurance does, one, the guy's not stupid that you're talking to. The guy or gal, the minute you – they're a controller for a company. The minute you call and say, I'm Josh with ABC insurance services, they know you sell commercial insurances. So what's the point? of wasting the limited time you have with that prospect in telling them exactly what it is you sell. If they want to know and they're interested right now in a garaging policy, in a general liability policy, in, in disability policies, they will say, you know what? I'm glad you called. And if they're not interested right now, if you break that script and say something different, then they will think about you the next time. Yeah, and, so, and, I, and I guess, you know, the one thing I always pose to young salespeople um, and then, and then I'll ask you one more question. We'll wrap this up is I always ask like, well, think about your own behavior. <laughs> think about you. Like, I think sometimes like we leave ourselves out of that equation and I'm like, well, what do you want when you go buy a car? What do you want when someone calls you? What sparks your interest when, you know, like somebody calls you and asks you about the pandemic and you're like, who is this? And they're like, oh, I'm with AT&T. We're just calling all of our customers and make sure they're safe during the pandemic and their Wi-Fi is working correctly. Really? Yeah. Like, what, what catches your attention? And I think that is the crazy part to me is like, when you start saying that, it's like, oh, I get it. You know, we do a lot of e like emails is a big thing right now because, you know, we're reaching out to a lot of schools and talking about our technology to help. No one's a school. Yeah. So my whole, the whole team that used to make 50 to 75 calls a day is now having to learn how to do emails. Oh my goodness, bro. Like we're having to almost go through this thinking of like, well, do you like the email that says last chance? ends today. No, you don't click on that. So yeah. I think the breaking the script thing, it comes back to intentionality, man. And that, that almost like, I think that's like the theme of everything we're talking about is like, is there intentionality to say, I'm going to earn one of the greatest life stories ever. And in doing that, I'm going to impact as many life stories as I can. And going back to value, I think the change in my mind that, that occurred was when I started recognizing that these business owners and these people that I was selling to, if you want to use that simple term, that I had an opportunity to impact their life and everyone that works underneath them. And I don't care if it's HR services. I don't care if it's payroll services or if it's a copier. You have an opportunity that if I can make something easier and bring value in your life, that opens your capacity maybe for emotional intelligence or that opens your capacity to hire somebody else or that opens your capacity to not have to worry about that and focus on the, the person at your office that needs more development. And now you're changing multiple lives. And when that clicked for me in my head and I no lo looked at it as a transaction, but as a relationship, life changed. Because also I never felt icky. And I could evaluate the business I was working for and actually say, well, do I feel confident that the product I'm selling is actually good? Because then that's the only really question you have to ask because you don't want to sell this crappy pin. If you think it's crappy, you're not going to be able to provide value, right? So anyways, um, yeah, man. Okay, so I always give the guest the final word. You can ask a question. You can say, think about this. You can talk about, you know, the Texas Longhorns. I don't know if you're a fan, <laughs> but you can tell whatever you want. I'll give you the last word. And then, and then uh, lastly, tell people like, hey, you can find me here. I post here. Or, or whatever. All right, go for it. Okay. Yeah. So I'll say this. Um, my, my biggest piece of advice today, now two, two quick ones. The one, the first is the most important, by the way, that if you're not a believer in Christ and you want to know more, reach out. Um, secondly, though, I think back to my grandparents who went through the great depression and the, the story of the Great Depression is both a tragedy and a triumph. 
you have certain people who were able to look back and they do look back and, and it's, you know, my grandfather struggled or I struggled. My parents struggled like crazy. They never found another job. My, my dad became an alcoholic and the, the legacy of the great depression for that family was terrible. Then you have others who talk about resilience and passion and motivation and drive and intentionality. And they talk about the great depression as a defining moment for them and their family. And that going through the great depression gave them a better understanding of humanity and their family and what they really cared about. And they were able to take that and move forward and grow and progress and do better. And they created a legacy of triumph. And people are watching this today. This is a huge, I mean, we've, no one's, we haven't been through this before especially in this time, right? There was the, the pandemic flus of the, the early, uh, the, the late teens, 1918, 1919. But with everything happening today, you're talking about a worldwide devastation, economically, personally, financial, everything, that we have an opportunity today to decide with intentional behavior, will this be looked upon as an, a legacy of triumph or a legacy of depression and destruction and sadness and we have the decision we can make that decision today and it all is based upon what we just talked about getting out of the rut that we used to be in are we going to allow this situation as business people as salespeople, as husbands and and wives um, as children to define us in a positive or a negative way are we going to look back on this someday and say that's the time where i saw everything go down or are our kids going to look back and, and talk about the wonderful stories we were able to teach them and they're going to be able to look at our legacy and say, you know, I know that that impacted my dad or my mom in an amazing way. And you know what? I learned from that and I'm better for it. So we have a decision to make on this. And really, if there are very few things that are up to us, the universe, God, whatever you believe in, creates those situations and we live through it. We have the opportunity to actually create a physical, real legacy that no one can, can doubt because everybody will remember exactly what's happened. So which legacy do you want to create? And that'll be what I say there. And then lastly, in terms of how to get a hold of me, man, the best way to get a hold of me lately is, is, is LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn.com slash Joshua W. Deshay. Um, you know, send me a message, by the way, send me a message and say that you saw this podcast and uh, I'll make sure I get to you ASAP. But Chris, I've had a great time. Awesome, bro. Thanks so much for the final words, bro. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us on the Four Stories podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was insightful. I hope it was impactful. And I look forward to an opportunity when we can connect. You can find me on social media at the Four Stories. Or you can send me an email at fourstories at dchriswatson.com. We'd love to have you on the show. Love to connect with you. Love to work with you or your organization. Talk to you soon. Peace.